Hi, Swim Talkers, and welcome to today's edition of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Sperling, and each week I speak to pool and open water master swimmers from around the world about their swimming journey. Today's guest on the podcast is US Masters Level 3 coach and master swimmer, Chris Goodrich. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Hi, thanks for having me on. Oh, you're really welcome. It's great to have you on um, on today. What pool do you coach and swim out of? Um, we have a couple pools that we swim out of. Um, a local school district nearby has two different pools. So we have a home pool, but depending on staffing around here, um, we tend to hop back and forth. Um, the one that I swim out of primarily is Milford High School. Okay. And what, what town is that in in Michigan? Um, it's in Milford, Michigan. Milford, Michigan. Okay. We're north of north of Detroit a little bit in a suburb. Yeah. What's the weather like there at the moment? Getting cold? Um, yesterday it was 18 degrees when I walked my dog. So it was very cold. Yes. yes. Oh, 18 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Yeah, 18 yeah. Fahrenheit. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I was just thinking because it was 18 degrees here in Melbourne today, but that was Celsius. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be much nicer. I would like that a lot more. <laughs> a little bit warmer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Tell us how you got started as a master swim coach. Um, I have been swimming since I was younger. I never competed, and but I started teaching and coaching when I was 16. All of my friends were swimmers, and I lived on a lake. So um, one of my staff members, I hired her as a 16-year-old, and when she graduated from college, she came back to work for me and we were hanging around one day and we heard about this program. I said, Hey, let's go check this out. And my daughter was like six months old at the time, my youngest daughter. And that was when I started in 2007. Um, so I started and I walked in the door and they're like, are you a good swimmer? I said, uh, I'm a, I'm a beginner swimmer. And they put me in the water and they said, no, you're a lot better than a beginner swimmer. So, so I was there for a couple of years and then, um, we just had one coach at the time and she would need some help after, you know, vacations and things like that. So I started coaching probably in 2011 and I've been there since. Oh, that's, that's great. And you have different levels, obviously, in um, US Master Swimming. So you're a level three coach. What does that entail? Um, as a coach, um, it means that I have the business administration background and I have the coaching expertise background. Um, you know, level two, one and two are kind of introduction, um, how to coach, things like that. Um, I think I got that a couple of years ago as a certification through U.S. Master Swimming. Right. Oh, that's that's marvellous. And what, what um, Master's um, Swim Club are you associated with? It's called Milford Athletic Club, or we call it MAC. Oh, MAC. Okay. And how, yeah. many, how many people do you coach there? We have on our email list, we have about 200 members. Um, when we go to state meet, we take anywhere, it depends on how far of a drive it is. We take anywhere from 60 to 100 swimmers to our state meet. Um, we haven't had one the past couple of years, but before that, I think we were champions for like six years in a row. So um, it's a fun time. It's a three-day event with a whole bunch of people, you know, connecting and getting to know each other. Sometimes we haven't seen people in a year. So it, it's fun. It's a big deal in our state. Yeah. Where Where is that generally held? Does it swap around cities or is it always in the same place? 
No, but swaps around different places. Um, we actually, my my team hosted it the last time we had it a couple of years ago. So it was close to us. And then coming up in April next year, it's um, hosted by our, our, our organization in Michigan. So we, it's going to be close to me again, which is kind of nice. It's been on the other side of the state a couple of times, but that's kind of nice too. And you get to go to a hotel room and you don't have to worry about being home and cooking dinner for your family and taking care of your kids after a long day of swimming. Yeah, absolutely. And how many practices do you sort of schedule into a week with the master's team? We have seven a week right now, um, all seven days. And I coach one of them. And um, it varies depending on how many coaches we have available. Um, I've coached more, I've coached less, but one or two is kind of nice. It's nice to connect with the same people, but it's nice to have a variety of different coaches to have different eyes on and different coaching techniques with, you know, because people like different things. Yeah. And as a, as a master's club, do you um, sort of structure um, different workouts that you advertise? So, so for instance, do you have a long distance one, a sprinter's workout, or do you combine all of those things into one session? No, we do everything. Like for instance, Wednesday morning, I tend to coach the distance freestyle. And then after that, I actually have a shorter group that's, we call it Mac light. And we found that um, some people are so intimidated by the swim team environment, swimming, circle swimming, you know, writing things on the board. So I coach a group that's not really learn to swim, but learn to swim team. Yes. Um, so they know how to swim already. So that's a group that I think that we have is a little unique to us that I coach. And then Fridays are always sprint days and Saturdays because people have more time are a longer, usually an IM day. So no, we try to do it like that. So people can pick and choose. Yeah, that, that's that's wonderful. And what's sort of like a go-to sample program that you would set your master's swim team? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It's different every week. Um, so what I, did you, know, you, I write did you a, give them this week? Tell us what you gave them this week. What did I do this week? This week we hadn't worked hard. It, it seems like, you know, we start in September, so we kind of build through December and yeah. then we really start to work from January to the state meet is our goal. Um, so we've been doing a lot of stroke reset. We've been really working on rotation and balance. Um, so we're just starting to get into some hard sets. So we did lots of hundreds yesterday um, yeah. with, some, with some drilling, kind of continuing with our balance and rotation work as recovery. So, you know, we did five 100s, four 100s, three 100s, two 100s, and, and some drills in between. So it was oh, good. Fantastic. And all freestyle or were you, were you um, doing form strokes as well? On Saturday, on Wednesday mornings, I pretty much stick to freestyle. I may throw some butterfly or something like that in there so that they have to try to keep their time and their speed up. And it's a little bit harder, um, but we tend to stick to just freestyle on Wednesday mornings. Yeah. And what kind of time cycles did, were they um, swimming their hundreds at? Um, Wednesday mornings, my group is, um, on the lower end, usually our evening swimmers are our better swimmers that, you know, are former college and, and competitive swimmers. Um, yep. so I think the fastest interval that I had, we have a yard pool, so it was probably a one forty-five yesterday. So, yep. and then I had, so I would say probably 50% of our team is people who walked in the door and never had swam competitively before as a 50, 60 year old. So 
Uh, we have some that are quite good and some that just love it for the camaraderie and the fitness part of it. Yeah. yeah. And do you um, swim in or do you train in short course yards all year or do you swap into long course at all? We, we train in short course yards in the summer. We have access to a short course meters pool, but we don't, there's not a lot of long course pools around us in Michigan. Um, there's a couple outdoor ones, but they're, they're quite far and they tend to be rented by all the younger kids swim teams. Right. And then we also run a couple um, twice a week. We do open water swimming um, at different locales. One workout during the week is coached where we're teaching people how to sight, be yeah. comfortable, you know, in a, in a different aquatic environment. And yeah. then the other one is kind of informal. We meet at a lake. Coaches can get in and swim. Um and so there may be some advice there, but it's more just like a good group meeting up. Yeah. So, so yeah, we our our season's short in Michigan. So when we get out, when we can get outside, we do. Yeah, of course. Do you um you swim with wetsuits there, or you, um when you open water swimming? Some people do. Personally, me, I'm not going in the water if it's cold enough to need a wetsuit. I would rather wait. I like the warmer water. Um, yes. We had we had a member in the water. Um, it was her last swim of the year just a couple of weeks ago. And I think the water temperature was about, about 60 Fahrenheit or maybe a little bit cooler. So it was pretty chilly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And are, are there many sort of um, open water races around in Michigan that people can There's enter? Lots of triathlons, okay. um, lots of triathlons. Yeah, so people tend to do those. And then we have one really big um, open water race in August that, that is kind of our focus for the season that we train for. You okay. can swim. I think you can swim a half a mile, a mile, but the bigger races are a 5k and a 10k. And I think they have, they've had up to 500 people in that race. So um, it's big for a local race and we've got a lot of lakes around us. So there's lots of triathlons. Yeah. Sounds fabulous. And are you predominantly a freestyler yourself or do you swim some of the other strokes? I predominantly am a freestyler. I can swim the other strokes, but I'm not nearly as fast. Yeah. Um, like when I swim, when I compete and do the hundred or the 400, I am, if you look at my splits, it's really sad. The other three compared to the freestyle, um, I can, I can swim them. I just don't train them very often. Yeah. And, and growing up in a lake, you know, I swam freestyle growing up so that you, you can definitely see it's my comfort zone. Yeah. So did you learn to swim in a, in a lake or in a pool? I learned to swim in a pool. I don't even remember. I was so young. My my preschool when I was just a baby is where I took swim lessons. So I, I was swimming by the age of two. So wow. water's been a part of my life the whole time. I, you know, I do, I scuba dive, I snorkel, I paddleboard, I kayak, I water ski. So I, pretty much everything in the water that I can think of, <laughs> I, I try to do it. It's my favorite environment. <laughs> and did you um, compete at all during high school? No, I actually didn't. I did all the pre-competitive things and I was encouraged by all my friends and my parents, you know, you should do swim team, but, you know, growing up on the lake and swimming laps in the lake, it, it was really boring to me. So all my swimmers kept me, you know, got me involved in the coaching and the lifeguarding when I was, you know, still young, a teenager, but my first swim meet um, was after I joined the master's team and I was 40 years old when I did my first swim meet. 
Wow. So, crazy. Yeah. And have you traveled outside of Michigan for any of your swim meets that you've competed in? Um, Nationals was in um, Indiana, which is just not that far for us. Yeah. That was probably the farthest I've gone for a swim meet, just because life is busy. You know, yes. I'm, I'm busy here. I have, I have four kids, my youngest of which is almost out of high school. So hopefully soon, yes. um, you know, I, I'd like to be able to do some of our nationals a little bit more. Um, I was yes. planning on going to San Antonio a couple of years ago and it got canceled. Yes. So we'll see about next spring. Yeah. Where, where are nationals being held next year? For um, They're yes. in San, San Antonio, Texas next yeah. year. Right. And I've, I've been to Texas, but never San Antonio. I've heard it's beautiful. So I, w- I would love to go. And what was it like in Indi- Indiana this year competing after COVID? Um, Indiana, well, this year wasn't, was it was a couple of years ago when I did. Oh, I didn't go to nationals. Yeah, nationals were delayed this year. I, I probably would have gone there usually in April or May, yep. but they bumped them into the summer, which is a busy season for me. So I wasn't able to go. Yeah. So hopefully Indiana a couple of years ago, it was the biggest nationals that was ever held. There was over 3000 swimmers. Wow. Um, it was amazing. It was a, for me, it was a five day experience. We took over 300 swimmers from the state of Michigan. So myself and other coaches, you know, my swimming felt like the insignificant part of it because I spent so much time coaching, right. um, you know, my, my event that I was really hoping to swim was the 50 free and it was the last event of the weekend. And by then I was so exhausted. Oh, no. <laughs> so my, my, my best event was actually the first one because it was before most of the swimmers got there it was my thousand, which I thought was just going to be a warm up swim. So, but it was great. It was fun to meet people from all over the state. You know, 300 swimmers was a lot of swimmers to organize. Um, yeah. It was just, it was a fun, fun experience. And I'm really looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, I think actually when you mentioned that, I remember I spoke to Erica Brune on the um, podcast a while ago and she was mentioning in her, where she lives um, that all the swimmers, all the master swimmers in the state come together and compete under the one team. Is that what you do in yes. Michigan? Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Yes, exactly. So if we have a thousand swimmers in the state of Michigan that are U.S. master swimmers, we right. all go under, you know, we have our workout groups that are separate, but we come together as a state to compete, right. correct? So then you, as a group of coaches, you would have to organize all the relays and everything, would yeah. you? Wow. Yeah. That's I wasn't responsible for that, that team, that <laughs> me. <laughs> so that was a big job. We took, oh gosh, I think we took 80 relays. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was job. fun. The relays were a lot of fun because yeah. you met so many different people and you got to swim with so many different people. Wow. Yeah. And do all states in America do that or does some come as a club if they're quite big? No, some come as a club. It depends. It's interesting because as I've gone to some national conventions, you talk to people in different states and it's totally different in every state. Um, You know, out West in California, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of swimmers. So they compete, you know, with their local group in Michigan, you know, there's a fair amount and you have some states that, that take seven or eight and, and they don't have a lot of swimmers. Yes. Yeah, wow. That's amazing, isn't it? It's it's just on such a big scale. I think in Australia, the last nationals that we had was obviously two years ago before COVID, there was probably 500 swimmers, five to wow. seven. So it's not, 
It's really no. time scale. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like the nationals in Indiana, they ran two 25 meter pools, you know, the men's events, you know, alternating events. So if you were in 58, you were in one pool, you were in 59, you were in another pool. So you really have to pay attention to which pool you're going to, you know, it's, it was a big venue. There's lots of people on deck. It, yeah. It's crazy, but it's fun. Yeah, it would be. It would be and obviously they have to pick a venue that can cater for that many people within the stands yes. while they're watching yes yeah a lot of times there's two 25 because it's in yards our short course season meet um a lot of times there's two pools plus a warm-up cool down pool and i the one of the days that warm-up cool down pool i don't even think i tried to get in because yeah. you know there's 30 people in a lane so i'm like oh, i'll do an on-deck warm-up for this event <laughs> And what kind of on-deck warm-up would you do if you couldn't do a warm-up in the pool? Um, a lot of times I'll do functional range of motion things, you know, number one, to get my heart rate going, and then number two, to get those muscles, you know, trained and ready, um, some explosive plyometric things, um, not real long, you know, five to 10 minutes. Um, it's funny, I was just working with my high school swimmers on that the other day. We were, you know, at a meet where it was really crowded, and then they had to get back in and do an event. And, and I'm like, oh, well, let's learn an on-deck warm-up because sometimes it's just too crowded. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you take them through? Give us a bit of a snapshot. Um, I think we started with, you know, some jumping jacks to at least get moving and then some range of motion with our shoulders, circles forward, circles backwards, crisscrossing, you know, some squats side to side, and then some squat jumps. I'm trying to think of what else. Gosh, it's so early in the morning here. I can't think of what else is right now. <laughs> You're very kind you know, to join us at this early hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my dog, my dog wakes up at 450 every morning. That's oh, her like yeah. alarm clock. So she's already been outside and now she's back to bed. So oh, nice. <laughs> and with COVID in America, how um how much were you impacted in Michigan? Did pools close down and what sort of yeah, it, it is? Again, it was so different from from you know geographically and especially state to state, Michigan was pretty strict. Um, we were locked down for a long time. Pools were closed for most people in from March. We didn't get back into our pool until after October. And we were back in for about six weeks and then they shut down again for mm, at least six weeks. Um, we were, we're lucky because we're outside. So when you asked about wetsuits, lots of people bought wetsuits. They were really hard to get because, yeah. you know, people wanted to be in, in the water. So yeah. I think that they were in the water earlier that year and we started open water swimming um, really early. Um, we as a team were really fortunate because I work at a country club, which is an outdoor pool. Wow. So the pool was open uh, in June and then we had three practices there a week in addition to our into to our lake swims so we we got in a lot earlier i know that there's some teams that that were in high schools or you know government and and some of them are still not back in their original pools they had to look for alternate venues wow. yeah yeah it's just yeah, it's, it's been crazy crazy yeah yeah and i think the biggest thing for me is there's a lot of people who it's their only form of exercise Yes. you know, and for some reason they can't run, they can't bike. And, and that to me was really sad for the, you know, for, especially as you're getting older, it's, it's such a great thing to keep you moving and mobile and, and, and active and to not be able to do that was really rough on a lot of people. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And did you, were you locked down at all this year or was it just last year? No, we haven't been locked down. Well, at the beginning of the year, I think we kind of locked down again in mid-November. And I think we were kind of locked down until after the first of the year. So maybe just a week or two um, at the beginning of the year. So I think we got started shortly after January 1st back up and and we, we haven't had a problem since. That's good. That's fair. Yeah, for sure. And what did you find um, with people then coming back when they could get into the pool with, with, um, you know, were their attitudes different towards swimming or did they, um, you know, how did they cope with that change and and then getting back into exercise? Yeah, it's been really interesting still. Like I feel like we're not back to 100%. I feel like we're seeing people that we hadn't seen in a while because they missed it. And, you know, they realized, Oh, I, I really need to do something. I'm getting back into swimming. We, we see our regulars, but there's still some that are nervous that don't want to be, you know, out and about that, that we're not seeing back. So we're hoping by April in our state meet, you know, people are comfortable and ready to get back. Um, they were definitely out of shape. So yeah. We took, you know, but when we got into our pool, we were lucky because we were coming out of the open water season. So we had amazingly huge groups, lots of new people trying open water swimming, um, got a lot of brand new members because they they were looking for things to do. So there were some really good things that came out of it too. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. And with the open water swimming that you do in the lakes around there, do you use, um, do they all use swimming boys? Or yeah, pretty much everyone has their own individual buoys. When we go into the bigger lakes, um, you know, our Saturday morning swim is at a, at a fairly nice, large uh, spring fed lake around here. And um, because, you know, each length is over a half a mile, you know, we kind of do like a triangle swim. Um, we have kayak support or paddle board support. Okay. Yeah. which just, you know, when, it, when it, you have 20 to 30 people and they're getting really spread out, that way you've got some safety, especially for people who are not as strong as swimmers. Yeah. And is there any wildlife in the, um, in the lakes? Not like you guys have. <laughs> um, you can see fish and an occasional turtle, but, you know, I've been swimming in lakes my whole life and I don't know that I've ever seen a turtle while I'm swimming. I, I see them all the time kayaking. Um, yeah and occasionally fishes, but no, we make too much noise. They tend to stay away from us. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, I'm in Melbourne in Australia and we, um, we've we had a lockdown this year as well for quite some time. Um, a lot of us are swimming in our um, bay and there's right. a lot of jellyfish. Um, oh, yeah. We don't have that at all. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the worst. You, you haven't gotten stung, have you? Uh, yeah, a few stings across the face, but um, yeah, I, I, not that they, they they're not life threatening or anything. But oh, good. And you can't um, you can't feel it when it happens in the water because it's so cold. It was only like right. nine, nine degrees Celsius. Wow. It was pretty cold. But yeah. so when you get out and you warm up, you can feel feel sort of you know the tentacles across your face. That kind of sting. Right. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> We're, we're really dedicated swimmers, aren't we? I, <laughs> I think that was something that came through in, in COVID, just when you've got that sort of luxury of having the pool there anytime you want to go. And the, the amount of people that discovered open water swimming during that time, lakes and, um, I mean, we don't have many lakes around here, but we're sort of around um, the bay. 
um, yeah, just so many people exploded during that time and so many people, right. you know, were interested in doing it and finding out about it. So right. that can yeah. only help people's mental health as well as their fitness. Absolutely. I totally agree. I know I, I coach a kid's swim team also and mentally for, you know, health reasons, it was really tough on them because it's such a big part of their life and to take it away, you know, I think it was harder on them than, than the older people. Um, because we have a better support network experience. So yeah, yeah. It was nice to get back to it. I did not venture outside. I had a friend who opened a home pool. Um, well, I was outside, but I swam on a tether, not in the lake. And in March, it was too cold for me. So I think I was out only out of the water for about two or three weeks. And then my friend opened her pool and it was heated. So I was back in the water pretty quickly. I was very fortunate. That's nice. Yeah. How did you find swimming on a tether? How was that? Um, you know what? It wasn't a new experience for me. My kids um, played a lot of sports growing up and we did a lot of traveling. So I've always had one. Um, I throw it in my suitcase when we travel. If I can't find a local lap pool yep. and we're at a hotel that has our pool. Um, my first tether that I took was a long one. And I found that I was, I had it tied outside the pool and I was still bumping the wall at the other end. So <laughs> I invest, I invested in a short one, like an eight foot tether. And, um, you know, I've traveled right before our spring break where we go, where we go get in the warmth is right before our, our nationals or our, our state meet usually. So I've, I've taken it with me so that I'm not skipping out on training before a big meet. So I swim on the tether quite a bit. So it wasn't different for me. It was different teaching other people how to use the tether yep. um, and how to do a workout and things like that. So what, what would you recommend to those people that travel and have to use a tether? What kind of workout would you suggest? So I, I do it very differently than, than a lot of other people. And I think because I started really using it when I was training for a meet. And so I was very specific, like at specific events that I was working at. So yeah. I know a lot of people will do cycles that are time-based, but right. I think as a coach, I know what my stroke count is. So if I knew that I was training for the hundred I am, I would, you know, do dolphin kicks and I would do nine strokes of butterfly. And that was a 25 for me. So, um, I, I tend to do that, you know, if I take 16 strokes for freestyle, then I kind of round it up because there's no wall. And so yes. I, I consider 80 strokes to be a hundred. So I, I would do my repeats based on that. So I would actually take workouts that were written, you know, either by me or another coach for our taper. And I would convert it to strokes and I would do that exact workout. Yeah, that's great. That's good advice because I think a lot of master swimmers out there do do a lot of traveling and it's struggle to find somewhere to swim when they're away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I, I like it as an option. You know, I, yeah. I like it when I can't get in somewhere else or I'm, I'm constrained by time, but I also like, you know, we've got a great feature on us master swimming where we can look for a local club. And so I've jumped into some, you know, I swam with some people out in Arizona. I swam, swam with some people down in Florida and it's nice to meet other coaches and swimmers when you travel as well. So that's kind of fun too. Yeah, I think that's a good thing about the Masters community. We have the same kind of thing in Australia too where you can go and swim at another club when you're um, visiting. But there's not always a club um, close by sometimes. So Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the tether is a good, a good option as well. 
Yeah. Um, and it doesn't um, take up a lot of room in your suitcase either. No, that's exactly right. And I'm glad you mentioned um, US Masters Swimming or USMS because I was going to ask you a little bit about your involvement um, with the sort of the structure there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I'm the registrar, or I actually, we have a new new title. I'm the membership coordinator for the state of Michigan. So when people join, I'm typically their first contact. Um, if they're not sure, they're, they just got back into swimming and they're looking for a team. I'm the one that knows the teams in the area and can set them up. And sometimes there's multiple choices and sometimes there's not very many choices in their area. So it's my job to kind of connect them with somebody and find them with a team. Um, we have a lot of people that are spread out in Michigan, so they make practice on their own, but compete with a team. Yeah. Um, so that's what I do. And then uh, we have just had a virtual convention, um, but the register, the membership coordinator goes to the national convention usually and helps vote on the bylaws. And again, that's a nice place to connect with people all over the country, meet people, go to some classes, things like that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And what is your background um, in your, um, I, I know you went to the University of Missy, Mich, Michigan. Um, yes. What, um, what degree did you get there and what background? My, my degree is kinesiology. Okay. And so when I did it, I wasn't sure exactly which way I was going. Yes. Um, a lot of people go pre-physical therapy or pre-cardiac rehab. And I got kind of got into the management and coaching side of it. So I'm a full-time coach right now. Um, I coach a couple different teams, but my the degree gave me some great background because of the biomechanics, the motor learning, the physiology. It's been, you know, I don't I don't think I needed it to be a good coach, but it's helped me have that background in being a co good coach. Yeah, that's fantastic. What I was going to also ask was. Um, if you if you were going to give your three best tips to a swimmer training for a big meet in the next few months, right? What you Gary, or what would you sort of suggest that they focused on in that time? Number one, you yep. need to be in the water. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people people who are in the water two days a week and they they want to do really well. I'm like, that's not enough. And and I know life is busy as a master swimmer, um, but. but you know, I did really well a couple of years ago. I was in the water 45 minutes to an hour, but I was in five days a week and it was really concentrated training. So that would be number one is get in the water. Number two is find a coach to put some eyes on you because watching videos on the TV, um, you know, on the computer, you don't know what the background is and you don't know what your stroke looks like. So having somebody to watch you and give you advice would probably be my second thing. Yep. Um, number three would be to have fun. You know, it, w when you're not a kid anymore, you're doing this because you enjoy it. So if you get to the point where you're not enjoying it, then you're stressing over it way too much. So remember that as an adult, you're swimming for fun and fitness and, and don't ever lose that feeling. Yeah. I think a lot of people appreciate that um, after being out with COVID too and back in and just enjoying being in the water and connecting yes. with their teammates and um, yes. other like-minded people. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that they were so focused on events and times before and as people have come back, that's a big mind shift. I know personally me, yeah. I'm, I'm not nearly back where I was in the pool as fast um, and I don't really care right now. Yeah. I might at some point, but yeah. you're right. As long as I can get in the pool a couple of days a week, um, I'm I'm happy. 
Yeah. How do you find time to get in when you're doing all that coaching? Well, I actually, I, I used to run a little bit more and then I really realized I really hate that. I can't stand it. I will never be a runner. I am slow, slow, slow. And I'm, I'm very lucky in that I'm at the pool five days a week. So I found that even if I get in for a 500 or a thousand, it's better than nothing. Um, And so it, it helps me to stay in shape and it helps me to keep my speed up a little bit. So if I have a half an hour free or even 15 minutes, I I try to jump in the pool and then I try to get in a good 45 minutes or at least an hour, a couple of days a week before or after practice. Yeah, that's good advice. And thoughts on um, strength training, dry land work? Uh, I think it's a very underlooked component, especially for master swimmers. Um, One thing that I notice as a coach is that master swimmers really start being um, limited by strength and flexibility. So um, I, we encourage it a lot. We talk about functional movement, um, not necessarily flexibility and how far you can stretch, but putting a load on through a range of motion and, and opening opening up, especially shoulders, you know, I'll, I'll go to do a streamline with some of my master swimmers and they look like a cactus, you know? So I'm like, your butterfly is not going to look that great if you can't get your arms behind your head and your streamline's not going to be so good. So we talk a lot about flexibility and that strength to maintain, you know, it, it, it's easy to get sloppy with our strokes if we're losing our core strength, but it really makes a big difference. So yes. we've tried offering it as a team and it just, it's hard for people to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we share links, we provide instruction we do some clinics, like we did a, um, a clinic not too long ago and we, we worked on some functional planks and core strength things, just, just talking about how it helps you balance in the water and maintain that nice line moving through the water. Yeah, that's great. That's good advice. Now, I've um, started a a thing a few weeks ago, a few podcasts ago, where I ask five quick questions and you can give a one or two word answer, but just a fun way to sort of finish off. So I just call it the fast five. So favourite stroke. I think we already covered that. Oh, freestyle. Freestyle. (laughs) Um, And I think we've already covered this as well. Short course metres or short course yards to race in. What's your favourite? Actually, I prefer to swim in short course meters. That's where I swim most of the time. I've, oh yeah, I have competed. I don't know. I compete usually in yards. I don't know. I've never competed long course though. So I'd like to try that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Favorite open water swimming location? Um, oh, somewhere down South where it's warm. <laughs> have you got a name for us? Um, actually my, uh, Lake Cumberland, we have a house in Kentucky, so let's say that. Okay. That sounds good. I'll have to look that up. Okay. In training kick or pull, what do you prefer? Oh, Paul, I'm a way faster puller. Are you? Yeah. Do you, do you use a leg band as well? Or no, I tend to just use paddles. My, my body position's pretty good. Um, I I'll use a pull buoy occasionally a band for some good sets to work hard. Um, but definitely paddles pulling. Yeah. And number five, what's your favorite pre um, swimming meal before you train or race? Oh gosh. 
I, you know what? I don't know. My, my diet's changed. I can't answer that one. It's different. <laughs> I, you know what? I've never had the same. I'm, I don't have quirks. I don't have the same habits. So whatever, yeah. whatever's convenient, whatever whatever's there in my fridge. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been really lovely connecting with you and hearing about your life in Michigan. So um, yes, take, take thank you care. so much for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Have a Merry Christmas to you and your family. And um, hopefully we get to connect in person one day. Yeah, I would love to do that. That'd be yeah. great. Okay. okay. Merry Christmas. You yeah, too. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. There you go, Bob. Thanks for listening into the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. We love hearing from you. So please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or directly onto our Facebook page at Torpedo Swim Talk Podcast. Tell us what you like. Tell us who you would like to hear. We love hearing all your feedback. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Till next week, happy swimming and bye for now.